Big news, ASRM Today listeners. Join ASRM as we team up with the European Society of Human Reproduction to present the best of ESHRA and ASRM March 2nd through the 4th, 2023 in Orlando, Florida. This exciting conference brings together experts from around the world to highlight and discuss how approaches to reproductive medicine differ between U.S. and European practices. Experience thought-provoking plenary talks, along with stimulating debates and other sessions that will give you a better understanding of international differences in the practice of reproductive medicine. This meeting only happens in the U.S. once every four years, so take advantage of the opportunity to participate this spring. To learn more and register, visit www.asrm.org. On to the show. Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine. I'm Jeffrey Hayes. Today on the show, we're talking about ideas on how to improve the patient experience. To help us in this, based on a recent ASRM Med Talks at this past Congress in Anaheim, we have the pleasure of talking with Griffin Jones. He is the founder of Fertility Bridge, a business development firm that helps fertility centers and organizations attract and retain the right patients and clients. He is the author of the Fertility Marketing Blog and the Ultimate Guide to Fertility Marketing. And also, on top of all that, he is the host of the podcast Inside Reproductive Health. He's a proud sponsor of Resolve, the National Infertility Association, as well as a proud member of the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and the Association of Reproductive Managers. My goodness, Griffin Jones, welcome to ASRM today. Jeffrey, thank you very much for having me. So to get us started, since this is your first time and this is always what I do with with first-timers on the show, can you give us a little bit about your background and how you became interested or how maybe your life intersected uh, with the field of reproductive medicine? I came into the field from a different way than most. I think most people come in through either a clinical or a scientific background, or they, if they are on the business side, sometimes they come in from the patient advocacy side, having been a patient, or sometimes they just come in with a big wad of money from the private equity or venture capital side. And none of those was the route for me. I was a generalist marketer, and I started working with a fertility center in my area that was about seven and a half years ago. And I didn't know what a a reproductive endocrinologist was, or maybe it was eight and a half years ago, whenever 2014 was. And (laughs) uh, I didn't, I didn't know what an REI was. I thought it was the camping store and I barely knew what IVF was. And I knew that I wanted to focus on a vertical because I I wanted to be more relevant. And in order to be more relevant as a marketer, you have to be closer to the outcome. I wasn't sure what that was. And I was just blown away. This was the time, Jeffrey, when organic social media reach was starting to to go down and paid social media reach was starting to take over. But the fertility clients that we were working with, their, their organic reach was still remarkably high and even higher than it had been previously. And it was because people were sharing the stories of, of the victories that they had with their REIs and those that that hadn't had success yet were looking for more information and uh and and I was just blown away by the impact that 
uh, fertility doctors could have. And if I could have some little impact in there, it, uh, it, w- it was the straw that broke the camel's back for why I chose the vertical. Were you shocked about how big a field it is and how encompassing it is? Because it's not just as most as we all learn as as we get into to uh, when I went to work for ASRM now myself, I think eight or nine years ago, I was more shocked at like, oh, there's the psychology you know, aspect of it. There's, you know, the insurance aspect of it. I I mean, did you ever just go, wow, wow, whoa. (laughs) I was was actually, I was kind of blown away by how small it is. I mean, I I think what you might be talking about is how deep it is, which I'm never ceased to be amazed by. Yes. Yes. Deep. That's better. Yes. In terms of, I, I was, I was shocked at how, oh, there's only about 500 or so fertility centers in the United States and Canada. There's only about 11 to 15 or 1600 REIs in all of the United States and Canada out of a country of 330 million on this side of the border and 40 million on that side. And, uh, and so I've been blown away at, uh, at how small the, the field was in that sense. And I, I think that's changing, but someone told me I was early at the time and I didn't believe her. You know, I thought I, I'm late. And now I'd see what she meant by that. Well, based on that, if you could give a blanket opinion, I suppose, how fast is the business of reproductive medicine changing? Both at a glacial and lightning speed at the same time, in my view. That's, uh, and, and, I like that. It's, it's good. <laughs> and this is kind of, a, of, of an amateur perspective. I don't have a Harvard MBA. I just own a business myself and, and I don't work for any of the major private equity or venture capital firms. So I feel like, or any fertility center individually for that matter. So I feel like I can have somewhat of an agnostic opinion, albeit an amateur one. I think the consolidation that's happening here is seems to be somewhat of a shuffling of dollars. Maybe some of these companies will in fact make uh, fertility center groups more e- efficient and and cost efficient and be able to pass some of those savings on to the patient. But a lot of it seems like funding practice owners who deserve to be able to retire, who built their practices, funding their retirement and buying out their future earnings. And so I, I I see that as part of the even though that's happening quickly, I don't see it as really expanding the business of of fertility. And what I'm starting to see that I wasn't seeing a few years ago is venture capital moving in and starting to invest in the tech and delivery services that actually scale the the delivery of care. So you presented as as part of the ASRM Med Talk on improving patient experience, and you specifically discussed increasing retention through innovative business practice. And uh, I was wondering if you could take a minute to to sort of unpack what you mean by by business practice, because I imagine that can be a very malleable thing. My focus was on messaging. And the, the point that I had, I took advantage of the fact that we were in Anaheim right next to Disneyland. And I talked a little bit about what the significance of the pair of ears on my head were and, and what that actually means. And, and it being more than a shape or a logo, which is what people might think of if they think of branding or messaging, but more like the flag of a country, the flag of 
of the United States is a lot more than stars and stripes, but it represents a, a history, ideas, controversy, legacy, and uh, and it's the use of that flag that helps people to, to rally people behind an, an idea or a set of ideas. And my point to the audience was that uh, fertility centers have the ability to do this as well, and that global consumer brands are coming in and doing this in the the fertility field. And it's something that runs in parallel to reputation. So many fertility doctors think of their reputation, and it's extremely important. They often think of it in lieu of brand, Jeffrey, that if I have a great reputation, I don't need a strong brand. And they're simply not the same circuit. It's like strength and agility. You can be really strong and really fast. You can be only strong and not fast, but they're not the same circuit. And so too is it for brand and reputation. My guest today is Griffin Jones. We are talking about increasing retention through innovative business practice. I imagine based on what you just said, and also I, I had dropped in on the on the talk while we were in Anaheim, I imagine there's probably a number of up-and-coming REIs who just have a million questions for you about about this because it seems that it it skews when you talk about branding and marketing and now you know through media and message you know it, it seems to me that that's a very specific demographic right now am i incorrect or more specific than 1100 fertility doctors and and 500 <laughs> fertility practices that that yeah. that's pretty specific yeah <laughs> well, I, I'm just I'm just curious about like what then is the question that keeps coming up that you that you keep getting asked? A lot of it has to do with where I see the field going in the next few years, but it that it can be a pool of questions. They tend to distill down to some version of this. I get a message from a young REI every single week. And often it says something like, I binge on Inside Reproductive Health. I'm binging on the articles or the podcast episodes because I wasn't taught this. So we hear physicians say this so frequently that it's almost become a trope that they, we're not taught business in medical school. And I've examined that in the podcast and in our articles too of why not. And well, because there's a lot to study in, in, in medical school, there's a lot of medicine to know. And then there's a lot more to learn in residency and fellowship training. And so maybe medical school isn't the place for it. Some, some physicians do take off a year and, and get an MBA or, or do a, a longer program or a joint program. And that is probably uh, in the cards for some, I think for others, it has to come in some sort of other delivery mechanism, like books, like articles, like conferences, like consulting engagements, like a podcast or or trade news. And so they're coming for that reason, because the words EBITDA, they might be hearing for the first time, general marketing principles and branding principles, they might be hearing for the first time. They might not know the difference between venture capital and private equity. I, I still hear very seasoned practice owners mix up those two terms, Jeffrey, and, and not just you know semantically. It's because they don't understand the, the difference between those two forces, and they're very different forces in our field. So I get questions about those things, and I'm, I'm only partly qualified to answer many of them, but I talk to 
uh, you know, out of 160 podcast episodes and then however many articles we've written, lots of people who are qualified to answer some of those questions each. I was just curious about, you know, through your eyes again, and you came through a different way into re- reproductive medicine. You, you think of the business side. I mean, is it shocking to you that they don't offer more business classes, you know, <laughs> for people? Because I always think that eventually anyone in medicine wants to be in private practice, you know, or or to have their own, you know, their own business. I think that in general, my view on the education system is that there's a lot lacking for for applicable knowledge in the real world, and that extends to medicine. I can't say that it shocks me too much for some of the reasons that we talked about. There's a lot to learn about in medicine that that cannot be discounted. There's a trope that many people, many business people around doctors often say, which is they like to say that doctors are bad business people. And sometimes that's true, but sometimes it's also an excuse for that business person not to be delivering the most value. And I can, as opposed to me saying my product or service isn't valuable enough, I can simply say that this doctor is a bozo. And we know that that's not the case. There's so much that they have to learn. And that's true beyond medical school. It's true in residency and fellowship. But I do think now what's at play is that there are forces that have come into healthcare at large, into women's health more broadly, and down to us in reproductive health that are entrepreneurial ventures that are forcing people to play by more of the rules of the market, more of the rules of consumer demand, more of the rules of of the laws of finance and business than than physicians and practice owners had been used to. What I posit, Jeffrey, is that many practice owners today inherited the general practitioner model of the mid-20th century, and that extent that that's still to the case in many independently owned practices that are subspecialized REI practices today. But now we have venture capital and private equity and the large companies and C-suite led teams that they employ entering the field that uh, are causing them to compete. And I think that that is the the bigger message is that whether you learned it in medical school or not, whether you should learn it in medical school or not, is that it likely behooves you to learn more about these business principles now because the people that are in your space uh, know them really, really well, and of course we can't we can't ever dismiss that it's just such a ever changing, evolving, <laughs> you know, sometimes faster than than we can keep up with. Yeah, we're all drinking from a fire hose. We're all drinking. <laughs> gonna that is going on the wall here. I am drinking from the. We're all drinking from the fire hose. Griffin Jones, this has been an absolute pleasure. We'll make sure to put up in our show notes because I'm sure we are going to get a lot of questions from people. So I'll cut at least uh, the middle person out. Uh, We will put all the contact information for you into our show notes uh, so that people can can get in touch with you and and find out what's going on on your end. I just want to say it's been an absolute pleasure and I I appreciate you being able to come on the show today. The pleasure has been mine, Jeffrey. I know how hard it is to do a weekly podcast. And so I appreciate you doing this for the ASRM. Yeah, we're going to have to trade notes.
you and me, like off pod, we'll have to get on, we'll have to get there. Uh, you can subscribe, rate, and uh, uh, comment on the show through Apple Podcasts, Google, or whatever your podcatcher is. Uh, if you don't want to go that route, you can email me, ASRM at ASRM.org, and I'm happy to uh, engage with folks there. Uh, until next time, I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and this is ASRM Today. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, author information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org. This material is copyrighted by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and may not be reproduced or used without express consent from ASRM. ASRM Today series podcasts are supported in part by the ASRM Corporate Member Council. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.